Live from Studio B, this is Proudly Made in Canada by Local Laundry. I'm Connor Kern and I'm Dustin Paisley. And together we are Local Laundry. And today we are super excited. We have our very first guest on the show. Uh, we have Mr. Scott Paris. Scott, say hello. Hello, everyone. I'm beyond excited to be here. <laughs> Good. Welcome Good. to the show. Um, first thing I know about Scott, he's, he's rocking... I'm super jealous. He's rocking one of my favorite shirts. Got my eye on it all the time. Tell us a little bit about the shirt you're wearing. Yeah, it's a company out of um, BC, Anion, and uh, they provide uh, upcycled wool uh, and create some really quite fabulous shirts. So um, I'm living in Victoria and uh, obviously visiting family for Christmas and uh, not used to this cold weather as I've become kind of a West, West Coast baby now. So um, yeah, I thought I'd get a nice shirt and uh, they got a pretty cool story. Um, used to have their manufacturing Vic, moved it to Vancouver, super cool guys. And, uh, yeah, it's a good shirt. It's like one of those shirts. It's like a jacket. It's like yeah. a jacket. <laughs> uh, so a little, little bit of background on Scott. Uh, I think we've both known Scott for a while. You probably longer than me, Connor. Um, I, I heard, uh, some rumblings about an elbow incident, which I won't bring up, but Scott, and, <laughs> Scott and Connor. Are, I made up an elbow incident. He's like, I'm getting Scott on the, on the show. And I was like. Don't bring up the elbow incident. Yeah, uh, like very far back on the basketball court. There's a bit yeah. of a rivalry there, but we've we've made some common ground. Yeah, I've known Scott longer than you, but you've been friends with Scott longer this, than I. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Forgive and forget. Yeah, yeah, we're friends now. So what's really cool about Scott now is uh, since moving away from Alberta, we're sad to have you leave, but he's joined a really interesting startup called uh, Cubo in addition to having his own company. Uh, but I wanted to chat a little bit today about Cubo because there's a lot of really fun facts about that company. Uh, they actually just finished one of their cohorts at YC, which is one of the world's most prestigious accelerators down in Silicon Valley. Um, was it one of the youngest founders in YC? Is that? Yeah, there's some pretty young founders. But uh, so our CEO, Juan, uh, Juan Orego, he's originally from Colombia. Uh, he was 22 when we got in. And yeah, he had a birthday recently. So, yeah. Wow. Very cool. That's insane. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about Cubo, but then I want to hear a little bit about how how the accelerator went and kind of what's next for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So Cubo provides one centralized tablet um, for all of your incoming third-party delivery apps. So we work with like DoorDash, Uber Eats, Skip, Postmates, and essentially what we do is instead of having, you know, seven or eight delivery tablets, we provide one, and then we integrate with point-of-sale systems. So, we try right, and, so I'm going to stop. Yeah, go so every delivery... <clears throat> service has their own tablet yeah okay so if a restaurant wants to sign up for three or four delivery services they have to have three or four separate tablets exactly and okay. so their current process is they'll take the orders and then they'll manually enter them into the point of sale and we just try and automate that so we try and make restaurant lives a lot easier um and allow them to you know service in-house guests a little bit easier than than what they're currently doing so they have to take an order that comes in from each of the tablets and then manually input that into their own pos system for to, to actually make the order go through to the kitchen yeah exactly wow. so we can kind of with 100 percent accuracy ensure what an online guest is ordering that information is going directly into the point of sale and then going to the back of house kitchen printer or kitchen display kitchen display system depending on what they have so basically replacing the human and just allowing restaurants to facilitate online ordering and and more of the online ordering market easier Amazing. That's fascinating. Yeah. How's it been going so far? How big is the team? <laughs> yeah. So we are 15 uh, and growing quite rapidly. So, um, you know, when we first started, um, I think there was eight or nine of us and, uh, you know, just very focused on the technology and innovation side. 
and uh, really just trying to empower restaurants to service more of the online orders and uh, and help them grow their revenues. Very cool. And what's your role? Yeah, so I'm an account executive. So um, I work with the sales team and we have uh, two great sales guys that I work with. Uh, shout out to Javis and Graham. Um, and yeah, essentially what we do is most of our business is in the U.S. Um, you know, there's, I would say, probably eight to ten, you know, major delivery partners in the U.S. Um, competition is becoming more competitive in Canada. Um, so we kind of service both of those markets. Hmm. And tell me about uh, the YC experience. What was that like? Well, so, what is YC? Yeah. So for those that don't know, Y Combinator is a leading tech accelerator program based in Silicon Valley. So um, there's been some pretty cool companies that have gone through it. Reddit, um, DoorDash, Caviar, uh, just kind of to name a few. Mm-hmm. And essentially what you do is you go down there. And if anyone's seen Silicon Valley, the TV show, it's pretty much that. You, you rent a house somewhere in the Bay Area where you can get you know reasonable rates, which don't really exist. No. Um, and you just kind of park your business there and you just work out of a house. And so the founders go to these dinners on Thursday nights. Um, there's a really good network of, of, you know, angel investors and and just people in various expertise. Um, and so they go to these events and then we just kind of carry on business as usual. So, um, I had a nice corner office in a garage and, uh, had to go inside sometimes cause the laptop overheated, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a pretty unique experience. Um, my first day was on a Monday, and we found out Monday night we got in. So it was literally like, hey, welcome to Cubo. Oh, by the way, you're moving down to Silicon Valley for the summer. So it was like, all right, this is kind of a cool adventure. Could, could be worse places, yeah. Could be worse, yeah. So, yeah, we kind of went down there as a company, and it was pretty cool to see what we what we were able to accomplish in three months. Amazing. Good for you guys. Um, so in terms of like connections, I'm assuming that's a big part of it too, right? They make introduction to, to BCs, to people. What was that like? Yeah. So kind of at the end of the three months, um, you go through what's called demo day. And so Mm -hmm. the, um, there's one day where you essentially pitch to previous YC founders. Um, they give you feedback. There is, you know, some investment opportunity there. And then the second day you're pitching in front of the biggest and, and the baddest VCs in the world. And, uh, that was, that was a pretty crazy experience, you know, people signing $100,000 checks that day. Um, but it's, it just opens you up to, um, you know, a lot of great feedback, uh, a lot of cool people. Um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty unique uh, situation and uh, it opened a lot of doors for us. Very interesting. It's funny. I remember going down to Silicon Valley and, and staying with a friend of mine who was uh, in an accelerator in Silicon Valley. And it's just so interesting to see the housing market there because here you have this two-bedroom apartment and there is no furniture. There's two blow-up mattresses because they're bootstrapping a company, right? They don't have money to furnish an apartment. They're there for three months, short-term lease, and all they care about is a place to rest their head at night while they're off all day, every day at the accelerator. So I'm sure it was a similar experience for you. Yeah, we rented a house through a company called Zeus, which was great. And we were in uh, San, San Jose, and it was like this old, back in the 60s, it was like an old orchard um that they had with like oranges and whatnot and just like just a very kind of regular neighborhood and uh yeah it was uh it was kind of disappointing because our neighbors had a pool and it was just <laughs> misery staring at that beautiful blue pool they didn't invite you over no they did not unfortunately that's unfortunate, that's yeah. unfortunate. so what's uh, what's kind of on the roadmap what's next for you guys yeah so for us um we're you know hitting canon a little bit harder um because where you guys head office 
So we're based in Victoria, British yeah. Columbia. Um, and for us, we're um, POS integrations has been a big one for us. So working and servicing more of the POS side uh, and then adding more and more delivery apps. So being able to help service more of the online delivery market and just kind of adding value to restaurants. So we're working with some pretty big food groups out of Canada and the U.S., um, doing some pretty exciting pilots with that. So just kind of working out um, our rollouts, and uh, we're super excited about where we're going and, and how we're growing. How did this guy start this? guy started when he was 22? Yeah. How did this come about? So he started, um, UVic has this accelerator um, called ICE, and um, kind of similar to what Mount Royal has, um, you know, just incubating ideas, giving feedback, and, and helping you kind of evaluate your business um, so it started as like a restaurant analytics platform. Um, and then through meetings, it was just, you know, finding out what are the restaurants currently experiencing and, and how can, you know, how can he add value? And so we literally met or he met with white spot one day and, you mm. know, at the end of it, it was just like, well, like, how would I get your business today? And they're like, well, if you could integrate our third party delivery apps, you would get our order. Mm. So we literally took that feedback back, um, built a, you know, MVP. And then from there, kind of just started it and then kept growing. And Is he a coder himself? Um, he claims to be. No, he, he does do some some coding for sure. Um, he's he's actually a very technical person. Um, but we also have Sinan on our team. So Sinan is our CTO. He's originally from Turkey. Uh, and he had four POS exits um, from his time in, in Turkey. So wow. um, kind wow. of a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there... Um, Sinan kind of built out a more viable working product. And, and then from there, we've, we've been able to kind of scale our operations. How did the two of them connect? It's yeah. a good question. There was a mutual contact that they had mm. that kind of put the two together and it's been uh, happily ever after. Same story as this. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So I'm curious to, to kind of hear your thoughts on the whole takeout industry. And I know, you know, it's been interesting to see how this technology has changed the way not only as consumers that we're consuming restaurant food, but as restaurants operate too. Um, you're working with a lot of restaurants. Like what are you seeing as the biggest uh, changes within the space? Yeah. Um, people want convenience. So <laughs> people live super busy lives. Um, different markets serve different purposes. So, you know, we work with groups in Boston or New York and they're looking to facilitate in Toronto for that matter. Um, you know, how do they, better service businesses around a certain area. So your investment banker, you're working long hours rather than you, you know, leaving what you're doing, having the ability to have food delivered. Um, it's just convenience now mm -hmm. and being able to service more and more of the market. Um, yeah. People are essentially looking for that. So I have a friend, he works in finance in London, like one of the big financial districts and they all work crazy hours. And if you work past six, you get a free dinner, right? And you can charge to the, the thing or whatever. And he says, you look out the out the window at like outside of his big office building on the 20th floor and at like 550, 5.58, there's just an army of like people on mopeds delivering people just waiting for six o'clock to hit so they can go deliver the, the food. <laughs> he says it's just like a swarm of all different companies from all different restaurants and they all just come in right at six and people just grab and go, wow. grab and go. They, they just built, uh, in Toronto, they built the very first, or at least my <laughs> where, the very first apartment that doesn't have an oven. So catering to that, like that kind of clientele where it's someone who works long hours, they get home, they're not cooking. Yeah. They have a microwave and they have a phone that orders food. <laughs> the cool thing about like 
kind of the space that we're in is it's not just like traditional, you know, big box retailers, like, you know, this helps mom and pop service more people. So, you know, you're on one delivery app, you know, they have 20% of the market, you're still missing out on 80% of where people are ordering mm-hmm. online. Um, so it's the cool thing to me in this space is I feel like Cubo kind of empowers mom and pop restaurants to service a larger market. Um, totally. There's more of a premium on, you know, healthy alternatives too. So it's not just fast food. It's, you know, giving you good nourishing food. That's going to help you do whatever it is in that day. And now they don't have to worry about finding a delivery guy or driving him or paying him or, you know, if he's sitting around, no orders are coming in. They don't have to worry about any of that. There's been some talk recently though, about more encouragement for restaurants to hire their own delivery driver. Cause I've seen a bit of backlash online about the fact that these apps will take, you know, 20, 30% of the meal cost, which is almost your entire profit market yeah. for the food. So a lot of these restaurants who aren't really capitalizing, they're really struggling. So that, that's been an interesting piece to see. That's also unfolded as these restaurants are, are struggling to, to actually make it work based on the margins. Yeah. We work with a delivery partner called Chow Now. They're based out of California and they actually provide like a white label solution. So if you have a restaurant <laughs> and you want to be able to offer online ordering, uh, they charge like way less of a convenience fee uh, and help you facilitate that. So that's like an option for restaurants as well. It's hard too, though, because like you said, it's driven by the consumers. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not like the restaurant just wants to offer this. This is a need that's driven by consumers. Like your customers are wanting to order through an app now. They don't want to come in and sit down. And it's changed the dining experience too, because you're waiting longer for your food. And it's just not as good of an experience because they're servicing all of these orders that are going out the door. And that's what we find too, is as much as you want to service online ordering, you know, if you're not kind of automating automating that and streamlining right. it, your in-house guests actually the ones who suffer. can potentially suffer. Completely. So but that's where you guys are kind of helping with that. That's what we really try and, and strive for is just like, how do we provide a solution that allows them to service what they're doing in-house more effectively? Um, you know, both you and I, Dustin, have, have had restaurant experience and... <laughs> Some good, some bad, some ugly. Um, but essentially, you know, the more you can help, you know, be with your tables and, and provide value, you know, you have the ability to upcharge, you know, get another round of drinks, potentially another, you know, round of appetizers. So, you know, being a, finding a solution that kind of eliminates some of those barriers um, can actually help restaurants drive more profit. Mm. Are you seeing any, any types of restaurants emerge as mm. doing better in this space? Um. So we deal with a lot of like high volume restaurants, yeah. um, but like quick serves a good fit. So define, define high volume. Uh, we have groups like in, in New York that are doing like $60,000 a month in online orders wow. just from like one platform. Um, we have a group out of Miami. He does like over a million dollars in, in online ordering. Revenue. What kind of food does he do? Um, so it's called salad box. So basically you pick, you know, your type of salad and there's a ton of different permutations. So, you, you know, you get your, protein your different different sauces and you basically create like a custom salad um and so he's on all the online ordering apps and he just basically tries to run his business through onlines wow oh, that's another big phenomenon we're seeing is these kitchens that don't have any tables or anything they operate solely online yeah so that phenomenon is called ghost kitchens ghost kitchens yeah that's what's called yeah and they're they're taking over so we have a great solution for that um by providing like the one tablet we give a lot of functionality so one of our core differentiators is we have the ability to like 86 menu items. And, and really what that is, is 
Um, if you run out of a specific item, you can go on the Cubo tablet and remove that specific item. So you don't have to sign into each delivery app and say, okay, I ran out of this salad. Oh, man. that's For those that's listeners smart. that haven't been in the restaurant industry, 86 means that they're out of a certain product. With our extensive re restaurant background, I, I remember that term. It's like second nature. It's like you never left. <laughs> and who are the biggest platform players in the world? Uh, so DoorDash is the fastest growing in North America. Um, is that in Canada? Um, they're just super aggressive. They have really great offering. Um, big A big obstacle for, for this space is uh, delivery drivers. So yeah. finding quality delivery drivers. Um, Skip, obviously, is a ton of market share here in Canada. Um, Uber Eats is a big one. Um, Postmates down in the U.S. Um, Ritual, Fedora. Are you working with stuff in the U.K.? Um, we we're in pre preliminary conversations uh, with a couple groups out of the UK, um, you know, a couple groups out of Hong Kong. Like it's it really is a, a global phenomenon, mm -hmm. online ordering and, and food delivery. So, is it different in Canada in the US? I know like Skip the Dish has only been around for a couple of years, or I feel like online ordering has been around in the US a little bit longer. Like, yeah, I think I think the US is a little bit more developed in that space. Um, but we're even finding Canada is becoming more and more viable. Like even going to Markham Mall the other day, which is a mall here in Calgary, um, there's a ton of, of restaurants in that food court that are doing online ordering, which is like pretty unique to see. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember walking, it was at the UFC campus, and I was just walking by a student, and the students, I spent $1,400 on Skip this semester. And for a student, $1,400 is a lot of money, but I think it just goes to show you, right? It's that convenience, especially for a student where usually they're pretty strapped for time, right? They're studying they're at the library or wherever. They don't have time to go out to grocery store or cook. I mean, they should, but they're just going to order skip. That just means Uber Eats. that just means they got mom and dad's credit card numbers. That's probably right. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> are we seeing, are we seeing it take off a lot more in the larger metropolises, like the bigger cities? People are just more, they're busier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the challenge again with online ordering is is delivery. So like finding the actual driver. So there's a huge fit in large metropolitan cities, like you said. Toronto's booming. Calgary's actually pretty big for us. Vancouver, Montreal, New York, Miami, Chicago, LA. Um, but even at a regional level, like there's more and more players. And, and part of our offering too is restaurants that aren't on specific platforms is we help them be listed on platforms. So Really, anything online ordering related, um, we're trying to take trying to take um, that work off their plate and, and put it onto ours. So, do you guys have any competitors? Yeah, so there's a couple groups um, that are in the U.S. Um, one's in Chicago called Chally. Uh, there's one in L.A. called Ordermark, uh, and then one out of New York called Checkmate. Um, and yeah, they they do they do some good work. We think we have a better mousetrap, um, but really with us, we're just trying to empower restaurants and, and, and help them grow. So what's the biggest differences? Um, so for Checkmate and Chally, they don't provide a tablet, so it's just POS integration. So in a vacuum, that's a great concept, but life doesn't work perfectly. And so if you have to 86 a menu item, um, they don't really have a system for that. They have to have some of their tablets on in order to get that functionality. And we essentially provide a universal remote with our tablet. So we can go in, 86 those items, and then we have some additional features where we can upcharge, refund, and cancel orders all within our tablet. Um, so kind of difference there. And then order mark, um, we have true tablet consolidation, so we don't need to have like the Uber Eats tablet on. Um, so those are kind of the main differences.
Fascinating. Where do you see this space going? Um, so there was a report done by Deloitte and it's growing at about 10% per year. Um, so it's like a $35 billion a year industry. Uh, so in the next 10 years, it's going to absolutely blow up. Um, but we really see this kind of evolving past food um, and getting into other verticals. So whether that's liquor or some other things, basically we just see people wanting convenience mm -hmm. and being able to facilitate what customers are wanting in, in a timely manner. Um, that's where we see the market. So it's pretty crazy to see in the last eight months, some of the opportunities we had presented in front of us. Um, so, you know, we kind of look forward to, you know, working with our partners and, and seeing really where this goes, but we do see it as a huge global problem. Absolutely. We give, we use an alcohol delivery service for our supplier in Toronto. Every time we give gifts. Do you guys use Drizzly? No, it's called Runner. Oh, cool. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Runner.io. I haven't actually. Yeah. They're, they're pretty mom and pop, you know, small, small time. I tried using Drizzly, but it didn't work with them. Um, but yeah, because anytime they do something great, we want to get them a nice yeah. little something, something, you know, bottle of whiskey. I tried to find the only thing we could get them. I wanted to get them something from Alberta. And the, the owner, the only thing we can get them from Alberta was a big, like, big bottle of Alberta premium. <laughs> it's going on the top shelf. It's liquid gold, right? <laughs> yeah. She said, here's a bottle of Alberta premium from the Berta boys. It's, it's amazing to me, though, what what's happened with the need for convenience, right? And yeah. we were talking the other day about, um, from, a, from a small business perspective in retail, how shipping costs are now, you're expected to have shipping costs included in all your orders and it's expected to be in two days so it's this this huge convenience factor of i want something i don't want to pay extra for it and i want it right now right with these delivery apps they don't want to pay extra for delivery sometimes they will but they just they want it now yeah. and it's just created this it's, it's just created this really interesting well this, this need for all these different products and and marketplaces and now the, the whole infrastructure around having to deliver food in a fast and efficient manner has just completely changed. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy to see uh, what it was and what it's becoming. Um, and to your point, with you know people want convenience and, and not really paying for it, there is a certain association with your when you're dealing with online ordering. Um, you do have to pay for convenience, and, mm. and consumers are willing to pay for that. So really comes down to their preferences and, and, and what they're wanting. Cause that's our biggest complaint. Anytime all our surveys and everything, it's cost of shipping, cost of shipping. And so we made like our shipping $5 and people are still complaining, you know, and even if they don't know it costs us at least 12. Yeah. That's right? the other thing in Canada, it costs anywhere from 12 to $20 to ship anything. It was when we used to ship out of the States, it was cheaper to ship something from LA to New Zealand than it was to drop off a parcel in Calgary and have it shipped to another address in Calgary. This is one of the most difficult <clears throat> countries to facilitate Absolutely. shipping and logistics. Yeah. 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 So that's like the number one complaint that we, that we always get. And so we're always trying to figure it out and we have free shipping over orders, you know, of 125 bucks. But now it's just you, you have to kind of almost bake it into your pricing. Totally. People are would rather pay a higher price and not have to pay shipping. It's just some simple psychology. Yeah. You know, Which to me is baffling, right? Because I look at I look at that that sense. It's like okay, I understand, but but you look at a company like Amazon and the big box retailers. They've just made <clears throat> that that is yeah. the standard. It is it'll cost you zero dollars to ship. And Amazon Prime, I think it was 110 million subscribers in the U.S. So like they make up their cost for shipping, but on this food delivery side. So I, I dropped my, my car for service the other day. The guy gave me a ride back to back to, to work. And I was just kind of chatting with him. And he said, you know, on the side, he's actually a, 
an Uber Eats and a Skip the Dishes driver, and he does Uber once in a while just to make money while he's in school. He's telling me about Uber Eats this one time, and this this girl ordered a couple cheeseburgers. You know, the meal cost her, I think it was about 20 bucks from McDonald's, late night delivery. And then she paid the exact same amount in delivery charges as she did for the food itself. So you look at like shipping, people are like, no, I'm not paying a dollar for shipping. But if I want a hamburger at 12, well, I don't care. Here's the $10 to deliver yeah. to me. Yeah, like one of the cool companies that's on online ordering is Cineplex Sodium. Like if you want a bag of, you know, delicious Brilliant. buttered popcorn. Who like, wouldn't? They'll, they'll deliver popcorn to you? Oh, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know what Connor's doing on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Cineplex just got bought. I heard that on the news this morning. By Complete left, out of left field. A UK cine, cinema wow. company. Wow. Bought all of Cineplex. Neat. And like, yeah, I think they bought like a couple thousand. Like there's 156 theaters in in Canada. A couple thousand screens. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. That's insane. But it, it goes back to like we we live in a generation of now. You know, we want we want food. We want it now. We want to order something. We want it now. You know, we want to go somewhere. Uber now. We want to watch something. Netflix now. And I think it's it's really having a detrimental effect on our own psyche because we all want to be successful, but we want to be successful now, you know? And so I I've had in my own experience, like we're building this company, we're on this journey. And then you hop on Instagram and you're like, man, why am I not Alex McLean? Like, why, why, why am I yeah. not in a helicopter? helicopter in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I start to feel bad about myself and I start, you know, but, but I think we've kind of lost that idea of, you know, things take time and things should take time. That's all horseshit, though. Someone, someone I know it is. Someone, I know it is, but it's it's hard not to let those thoughts creep in your well, head. Well, as they you say, know? an overnight success is five years. You know? Oh, yes. yeah. Wow, we're four. So hopefully it happens this year. Yeah. Just <laughs> waiting to be but an there was success. There was a, a tweet that went out yesterday. It was like, I'm, I'm on Instagram and three of my girlfriends are traveling right now. What am I doing wrong? How can I not afford this? This is Rachel. <laughs> and I messaged back. I was like, there is far too many people that I've seen in the past couple of years working at a bank that are traveling on their lines of credit. Like it's yeah. not what you're doing wrong. It's what they're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is challenging because this whole Instagram world, it just perpetuates the need for you to have everything instantly. Yeah. I want 20000 in my bank account because I want to save up to do it. But I want, I want it tomorrow. I don't want to wait two years to save that. Yeah. It's crazy. And this whole thing is it's it's all our fault because like I, I order something off Amazon. I want it right away. I'm like, I got to wait three days? It's true. This is garbage. And even I caught myself the other day. I was like sitting watching TV. I was like, man, I'd love some Hawkins cheesies. And I was like, I gotta get up and drive to the store. Like, when why can't I just I would have paid like 10 bucks to have someone drive me a bag of Hawkins cheesies. We work with a group out of Toronto and he's uh Hagen Doss ice cream. Ben and Jerry's like you want ice cream. Like, That's all he does. You can just well he's no got way. so he's running a ghost kitchen, so he's got like several different concepts within that. Brilliant. But essentially, yeah, you want ice cream, you get ice cream delivered. Like you can almost get anything delivered now. Yeah. Yeah. When we were at university at St. Evac, small town, Anaganish, Nova Scotia, there was a service. It wasn't an app, but you call a number and they would deliver anything in the town for five bucks. Anything at all. And this was amazing because Anaganish is like it's a town of 5,000 people. Yeah. And we would call them to go to the liquor store and get like two fours for all of us. So this poor guy would go in and buy like these massive cases and deliver them to our house. And it cost us five bucks. Uh, he That's was an amazing. early pioneer. <laughs> but and we Postmates before Postmates. Yeah. Postmates. And people would use it like, go to McDonald's, oh, five bucks. And, and, and it was just some old guy, you know, with, you know, no teeth and <laughs> nothing Endl better to probably do. Probably endless stories though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Probably mid-killing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and probably gave a lot of booze to underage kids, but <laughs> uh, more on there. 
sure he could have upped his charges, but well, we have just about two minutes left on the recording. Um, Scott, was there anything else you wanted to kind of add in, or you know, like a sales pitch? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, if you're looking to, if you're a restaurant out there and you're looking at online ordering, uh, you can reach us at www.cubo.com. And uh, yeah, I just want to take time to thank you guys for having me on the first podcast. Well, this is not the first, you're just the first guest. First guest. This is going to go down like, you know, talk about overnight success. We're going to be like Joe Rogan level by like next week. Okay. And, Love you it. know, that's because what we want. And you're going to go down the first guest is like, the first person. Well, I'm honored and um, I really appreciate it. And I love what you guys are doing with local laundry. And uh, it's pretty cool to see what you guys have been able to accomplish in your time. And uh, onward and upward, you guys are crushing it. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We're just, uh, yeah, throwing spaghetti to the wall every day and and, and trying to figure sticks. out, seeing what sticks. That's what startups are all about, right? See what yeah. sticks and yeah. just be agile. And... Yeah. We wouldn't have it any other way. Dustin, any last words? No. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for joining. Yeah. And I hope you have a good Christmas. Enjoy your time here before I got to go back to lovely Victoria. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. This has been Proudly Made in Canada uh, by Local Laundry. I'm Connor Kern. I'm Dustin Paisley. And we'll see you next time.